Ta-da! We are back here with another episode of Regenerative Landscapes. Um, it's just uh, myself, Dawn, and uh, the other Kevin. It, it's actually kind of funny because it's actually Dan, but he's using Kevin's <laughs> Kevin's account to to uh, run the show today, so it comes up as I've Kevin. Been Kevin the whole time. <laughs> he's the other Kevin. Um, and yes, obviously, um, Kevin's not with us, but he is working hard at getting our uh, episode with uh, Blackfly Environmental uh up and running because we can hardly wait to get that out for you guys It'll yeah be a lot that was fun. a fun one it was a fun one and isn't nadine cool <laughs> she's so oh, cool yeah. because she's she's like she's kind of realistic and stuff but at the same time she's she's environmentally concerned and everything right so you have this nice blend of trying to trying to save the planet but also realizing people gots to live right so mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of nice um and anyway, today Dan has decided to uh, delve into looking into some ways we can, um, I guess, reduce waste with some of the production that goes on uh, with our breweries and our food processors with the spent grains and the hops and the, the yeast that come out of that um, instead of just throwing it out some other ways to utilize it. And I think his main one he's going to focus is uh, our favorite friend, fungus. So Dan, take it away. Oh, well, first of all, do we want to figure out, tell everybody how our weeks are going? Oh, yes. And here, it was funny. Two, se- two <laughs> seconds ago, I was the one that said that, right? And then I was like, I got so excited about the fungus and stuff that here I went. No, it's okay. Um, yeah. So actually, what kinds of things uh, did you have going on this week or the last couple uh, of weeks? Yeah. Like, uh, I forget what happened two weeks ago. I but, know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Just everything gets plunged together. Um but no, last week, uh, I had a whole bunch of family come up. So it was just kind of spending more time with them and actually talking because a lot of them are very interested in, you know, the business that Kevin and I started and all the work that all of us do. So yeah, it was kind of just, <laughs> it was kind yeah. of a pitch meeting to all, to my and, whole family. Cause like some of them I've told before, but hmm, whereabouts do they all come from? Uh, all of them are from Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Uh, so you got a quite got family one in Saskatchewan. from Toronto. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you got a big contingency in Saskatchewan. Did they did yeah. they start there and then your your family moved out here or was it the other way around or how did Yeah, it would, yeah, because all of them are on my mom's side. So they all grew up in kind of central Saskatchewan and then uh, my mom moved out here or kind of moved towards uh I think two hills. Um, oh yeah. And then moved here and then settled down here. Um, but the rest of the family kind of stayed in the Saskatchewan area. And then, yeah, I had one family member out from Toronto because she moved out that way. She decided, I'm, I'm getting yeah. rid of you guys. Yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but yeah, no, but anyways, that's nice to get together came, again. Yeah, they all came down. And uh, actually, it was a big thing because it was one of my uh, uncle's kind of birthday presents uh, was to um, get a box for an Oilers game. So we went to an Oilers game Ooh. on Saturday. Well, yeah, because and, all the stuff. I mean, this is... I see here, this the games already happened, so you know, yeah, we did win. Uh, but it was still, it was still fun because I'd never yeah. been in the kind of box thing. Box whatever seats, thing that they yeah, got. yeah, box seats. Yeah. Well, the, the so, other thing too that's, that's that's very novel right now is it's the first time where um, the different provinces we can interact together because of the restrictions easing with COVID and everything. So, I mean, although I'm still being careful and cautious. It is nice that, you know, family can visit from across the way now again and, and people can get out and enjoy some of these activities like the hockey games and stuff again, because it's, it's been a long time, you know, mm-hmm. so. so that's Yeah, cool. I mean, I'm at, a, I'm at a point now that like all of us were, I think, triple vaxxed for the most part, or at least double vaxxed. And 
I mean, yeah, if you're going to be <laughs> fully vaccinated um, and with all the restrictions going down, it's like, well, yeah, you, why not <laughs> utilize trying to get back to some sort of normalcy and going to a hockey game and just, you know, interact with people that aren't in your, you know, stuck in your household or, or if you're just living so home for uh, this whole time during the pandemic, like, yeah, it's nice to feel like things are somewhat getting back to normal. But yeah, again, we were all, and I think most people at the game too were pretty, you know, still wanting to wear masks and stuff, even though like, yeah, technically you don't have to wear them anymore, but yeah. Um, no, we've been doing the yeah. same thing. Like, uh, um, not that we have to, but when we go out into, you know, bigger groups where there's crowds or whatever, we, we still mask up. It's not a, it's mm-hmm. not a big ask. And again, we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the other people because they're still immune compromised and uh, seniors and stuff out there. So, you know, just be a little thoughtful, but it's no big deal. And then that way we can still all enjoy uh, our lives and get back to whatever normal is. Yeah. Um, it's not the worst habit to <laughs> inherit no. out of this, <laughs> out of this whole pandemic. Cause yeah. Like if you're, if you're feeling sick and you don't want to get other people sick, a mask is yeah. kind of the easiest way to, Try to prevent as much as you can to not get other people sick. Yeah, I I mean, a lot of the Asian countries have been doing that for a long time because it's it's not just the COVID. It's like, well, anytime that um, you're, you know, sneezing or feeling sick or whatever, it's just a way to stop it from spreading to other people. It's just a Mm -hmm. kind of a polite thing to do. So, no, that's cool. Um, Yeah, I know for for us, we've been trying to work at our our ice fishing technique because it's only been the last couple of years we've been really been ice fishing. Uh, other than that, we've been, you know, open water fishing for the most part. And ice fishing is uh, quite different in a lot of ways. So um, let's see. So two weeks ago, we actually didn't go two weeks ago. We had a whole bunch of other, you know, chore, boring things to do. But um, this last weekend, we went back out to Lac St. Anne. And it was actually really cool because I'm finally starting to feel like, hey, I think we might be getting closer to getting the hang of this. I'm all you know, ecology, biology minded. So of course I sit there planning forever on the perfect spot to try, try to go to on the ice. And then we plot it into our fish finder chart. And um, <clears throat> anyway, we're at this point, we can't get uh, burbot anymore because of the, they're spawning. So we decided, okay, we're going to go try fill our walleye tags. And if we get pike, then that's okay too. So uh, we picked this spot where there was a lot of topography on the bottom, like lots of uh, vegetation, some rocks and different depth changes or whatever. And then we drill a hole in the middle, like at the middle depth and then uh, one on each side. So one shallower and one deeper. And then we plop, mm-hmm. generally plop our tent in the middle and then we can still see out to our t- where our tip ups are on either side in case, you know, you, you're never sure whether, where they're going to go, if they're going to go deeper or shallower or whatever. But what was really cool is we get all set up and we're sitting in the tent and it's a nice day out. So the, the sun, like, holy man, we could see right to the bottom with our, with our eyes. We didn't necessarily need the camera. It was really clear, but the camera was nice because you can see what's coming in and what's going out from your whole area. And lo and behold, walleye comes in and uh, I think it got spooked off by Steve's uh, lure and then it kind of takes off. And then, so so Steve settles down and he gets a little quieter. And then another walleye comes in, a big one, like uh, we could have kept this one, (laughs) but it, but the stupid thing, it comes in. It's got a big mouth, comes in and just goes, glomp. And it's like, all right, I got a fish on. So he's, he's uh, trying to, he's set the hook and then he starts, re- and all of a sudden, it just fell off. And I'm like, oh my God, how could it fall off so easily? But anyway, so he lost that one, but at least 
you know, we're starting to get some bites and stuff. So I'm like, okay, this is exciting. And then it was a while later, it was really cool to see um, a pike came in and they're very different than the other fish because they're an ambush hunter, right? So it was just kind of sitting there hovering and just hovering. And it seemed to, it felt like forever because it would look at his lure. He was kind of jigging his lure a little bit up and down and you can see its eyeballs going up and going down. It's like watching some sort of tennis game or something. It's like (laughs) watching going up, going down. And it's just sitting there, it's trying to decide, do I want to bite this or do I not? And then finally it decides, Hmm, I'm going to check it out. So it goes in to bite and then it doesn't like the feel of it or the taste of it. Cause we had just a little bit of bacon on for some flavor or whatever. And it spits the hook out too. And I'm like, how are you guys able to spit the hooks out without getting caught? This is like, ah, but it was still really exciting for us. Cause this means now we're actually starting to interact with the fish more and they're coming by more often versus before it's like, Oh my God, we didn't even see a fish. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And apparently it hasn't been just us like through part of January and February um lac st anne was was pretty dead for fish like some people were catching one or two here and there but it was pretty dead so they must have been holding up in a different spot or not as hungry or something or other and now with the days getting longer and things starting to happen maybe they're coming out now because it won't be long before like once the ice breaks up the walleye and the pike will be spawning too so they're probably starting starting to get into their pre-spawn like hunger thing like so they'll hopefully be more hungry but uh but yeah and uh, the offer, of course, is still there for you and Kevin to come out and join us sometime. Yeah, um, I'd like to do that. Because I think our plan is we're, we're going to try to go out there on Sunday again this weekend. Because um, I've got, I've been doing more online webinars and that kind of thing. So this weekend, uh, I think it's the Alberta Native Plant Council has a native plant growing um, seminar or something like that. And even though, I think I got a fairly good handle on growing a lot of the species or whatever. I just want to see if there's anything different out there or what people are saying. So I signed up for that and it runs this Saturday. So I'll be oh, doing cool. that. But um, hopefully I get some good information out of it and meet some people and stuff. And So that'll be cool. And then, uh, yeah, the math thing, because uh, I started taking the online math course. <laughs> I don't like it, Dan. I really don't. <laughs> I'm still, I sent in my first assignment from chapter one, finally, because after making a mistake, I did the wrong assignment, and then I had to do stuff over again and go through a whole bunch of different content. Anyway, so I did that, but I'm, man, math is not my friend. I'm I'm trying really hard, but I just get so muddled up in different things, and then I get confused, and, but um, we're going to try to get Same here, anyway. same here. <laughs> well, there's parts that, like, I mean... I can add, I can subtract, I can, you know, certain things, I can find the area of something or perimeter, but some of this other, like all the, these, um, uh, the equation things and the graphing and the, 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 it's, it gets all kind of confusing after a while. So I'm like, oh man, but yeah, we're trying never too old to try, I guess. Right. So you got it, but yeah, so, uh, we've been trying to do that and, uh, oh, and I actually, uh, I actually finally tracked down my dad and we had a conversation because i haven't spoken to him in years oh wow so, yeah we kind of became estranged there and um through through my aunt actually because she was looking for him um she finally got a hold of him and realized um his number had changed for one thing so that that doesn't help <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway no we had a, had a good conversation i'm hoping this is the beginning of you know more conversations and maybe uh this summer we might be able to go visit him because he lives down lethbridge so okay yeah so he's not too far away yeah just in the windy city so no some good stuff happening so yeah anyway um 
I guess on that note, uh, sorry to disrupt, but take us away, Dan, to your fungus and spent grains. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I was driving somewhere over the weekend and on the radio, uh, it's a station that I don't really listen to. And I totally forget what the name of the station was, but that's something to do with egg agriculture related topics and news bits. But um, what came up was a story about uh, this guy from Olds College that uh, was part of the brewmaster uh, program there and uh, kind of took a waste material out of the brewing process, which was spent grain, and turning that into um, a product that could be used for growing mushrooms. So, um, yeah, so I thought that was super interesting because they talked about, okay, well, this was think 2016 is when he kind of started doing that at the college and then now he's created like i think he runs a farm too and but he has his own business that specializes in the mushroom side of it all so um, i think this is the same guy um i remember from college like i went to old college as well and he went there after i did but being alumni you get information stuff on these entrepreneurs and things i think if memory serves me correct he's probably the same guy that actually started because he was growing mushrooms in his closet in the dorm or something and yes uh, yeah <laughs> that was kind of interesting because they're they're kind of giving him a hassle because like hey we don't want mold and stuff to start happening whatever and then he and then when once they find out what he's actually doing or whatever then they start to encourage him in a different way <laughs> yeah <laughs> <That's very funny. laughs> so keep doing what you're doing but just yeah not here well just not we'll in your closet space. <laughs> yeah so but, no uh, that's cool yeah so i'll just yeah read a little bit about yeah so yeah um what was his name? Yeah, Alex Villeneuve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a student at Olds College and yeah, came up with an idea to use spent grain from the brewery process and convert it into a substrate material uh, used for growing mushrooms that finally gets processed after, uh, after the mushrooms are grown and harvested, uh, finally gets processed uh, for the feedlot. So it kind of gets two functions. You can use it to grow mushrooms and then use it as a kind of feedstock. Um, so yeah, he saw this opportunity to use this byproduct of the brewing process that wasn't really being utilized for anything else because for larger breweries, yeah, it's a lot easier for them to take spent grain and compost it or uh, be able to dispose of it because they have the capital and the money to, you know, get it hauled away. But for small breweries like microbreweries or even nanobreweries, um, it's a lot harder to um, get it composted or just even get it hauled away, especially if you're in, um, kind of in a large municipality, so somewhere like Edmonton or Calgary, like trying mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, you're a small brewery in one of those two cities and trying to get all your spent grain out of your brewery, out of the city and gets hauled away and doing it in a way that's economically feasible for your microbrewery or nanobrewery. Like it, it was pretty tricky. And I mean, it still is pretty tricky, but there have been other microbreweries and nanobreweries that found ways to use the spent grain and not have to pull it away. And what do they call it? I think up, yeah, upcycling um, the byproduct. But anyways, yeah, so Villeneuve um, created his own company at the same time that he was just finishing or while he was at Goals College. Uh, and that one's called a Series Solutions, I think. Yeah, Series Solutions that specializes in the whole process. Um, and offers the selling of gourmet mushrooms, uh, mushroom-based dried cattle feed, and spent grain removal services. So the kind, of, it, yeah, it's kind of interesting that yeah, you go to school for <laughs> one thing, and then you start kind of getting ideas of like, oh well, you know, there's kind of the side thing that I do, and oh, I can kind of put the two things I'm working on together, and 
That's the cool and thing. Take about a business it. out of it. Like, yeah, it's it's all agricultural based though. So, well, just really like our our regenerative landscapes podcast. It's like we started off. It was it was you know mostly focusing on the native plants, but now it's become this whole ecological thing, right? There's so many different topics and avenues that all relate to the ecology of our our landscape, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's very. So cool. yeah, I'll I'll kind of go over the you know briefly go over the process for going from the spent grain to eventually harvesting the mushrooms. Um, so the process uh, of fermentation and brewing is conducted at both uh, high temperatures and creating that spent grain that you use to make whatever beer that you're making. Uh, but yeah, creating spent grain material that is high in both protein and cellulose. And with the combination of both the high temperature and the makeup of that spent grain uh, are key to creating kind of that really good environment for mushrooms to grow and but specifically it's not like i didn't really see uh what kind of mushrooms exactly were growing well i think one of them is oyster mushrooms because mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's only yeah it's 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 only certain kinds that will grow in that medium because other mushrooms require you know wood. yeah different parameters yeah like <laughs> yeah. wood and stuff um but yeah I, I think oysters was oyster mushrooms were kind of the big one that were easy to grow and could grow in that environment so um so yeah those are the ones that kind of get harvested the most uh but yeah once the uh, spent grain is produced it is mixed with uh, mycelium and straw and put into plastic casings uh to sit for about a month or 28 days i think they say uh before creating mushrooms to sell so mycelium you can kind of think of that as kind of the root part of the fungus and it's just kind of a bunch of uh kind of like large, uh, or not large, but filaments, uh, which they call, uh, what is it, hyphae? Yeah, hyphae. I think hyphae. Um, H-Y-P-H-A-E. Yeah. Yeah, um, sounds familiar. But yeah, that's basically just the rooting system is what the mycelium is. And then, yeah, the straw kind of acts as um, kind of being able to kind of air it out, like having mm-hmm. kind of air pockets in it while you're mixing everything all together. Well, yeah, making then, it a little bit lighter, right? So it's not mm-hmm, so... Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, the plastic casings, kind of think of them as when you're putting kind of that mixture into a plastic casing, think of it almost like kind of making sausage. <laughs> you're just kind of putting it into plastic tubing and then you're kind of just tying it off. And then um, in this well, case, yeah, that's, they, that's mostly not only to hold it together, but that's also to keep moisture in for the, when the mushrooms are growing, right? So Exactly, yeah. Because, um, yeah, and then so once the mushrooms are grown after that 28-day period, uh, they're harvested um, and the material that's still in there is very is still viable because it's very high in protein due to uh, the breakdown of fibers from the mycelium doing all its work to get the mushrooms growing. So that material that's been left over with the high protein um, can be used to feed animals or use as a supplement for your existing feedstock. Again, depending on, you know, how your operation is and what you're already feeding your animals and what kind of animals you have. So it's not always like a perfect, it's going to work for everybody, but, it is a product that is viable for um, uh, feed in certain cases. So, well, ba- well basically, yeah. my understanding is for the for, for the feed and for the um, the uh, the mushroom growing, um, you don't just take the the raw spent grains or whatever and just go ploop and chuck them in right away. Like you'd have to do a little bit of preparation. I think, like the uh, what I know is a lot of times they'll. Um, either kiln dry or they'll dry the stuff so that it's not too wet um and they no, exactly even, yeah. 
And they might even add, I'm not sure what, but something to change the pH a little bit too, depending on, because a lot of the stuff coming out of a brewery or whatever be fairly acidic, I think. So sometimes yeah. they add something to it. But, but yeah, once you do that little bit of prep work, which is not like, especially when you're drinking on a bigger scale is no big deal considering how much you pay for other amendments for your garden soil, for, for example, or look at the feed prices right now because people can't get feed. So these are all really good options if you just do a couple of little tweaks, right? Yeah, because I mean, this is material that would otherwise, again, either be composted if a brewery is going to do that or be thrown away. So if you can find an option to either do it yourself if you have the means to or find somebody that's already taken that uh, stuff that's going to be thrown out, spent grain, and turn it into something that you can use and, you know, have have it. Because I don't think it's super expensive. Like, no, um, well, again, this is- I haven't really... This is where I'm putting my shout out because um, me being on the growing end of things, I've actually been looking around for, hey, if there's any microbreweries or grain processors or anybody out there that has spent grain hulls or hops or yeast or anything like that, I'll come pick it up for like, you won't have to do anything. I'll just come, I'll come get it um, because I want to compost it down and use it as a, as a garden amendment um, because I'm trying to get away from peat because as we know, peat, uh, it's a very good carbon sequester and we don't want to ruin our peat bogs. And yet there are, um, especially with the natives, there are a few species that they grow, they grow in peat bogs. So ironically, guess what? I need peat for them. <laughs> and so to save them, I'm actually not helping their environment. Um, so it's kind of ridiculous, right? So I'm trying to find other ways that I can still get that acidic kind of an kind of environment for them, give them a little bit of, nutrition without having it be too much i guess that's another thing is um for some crops there's a little bit too much nitrogen in this spent grain or whatever too so by again uh, doing a little bit of tweaking with it then you can make it like composting it down or whatever then you can make it more usable for for these kind of plants but yeah so anybody out there if you've got a brewing operation or a, a grain um processing operation i would love to have your your leftovers <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of what I had for the mushroom side, specifically the mushroom stuff uh, for spent grain, but there's other uses too, uh, not just growing mushrooms. So I'll kind of quickly go through some of them because some of them are local uh, things that people are doing with the spent grain that I thought were kind of interesting. So one of them was um, just, you know, general kitchen and cooking stuff in the kitchen. Uh, Spent grain can be added to a variety of dishes. So such as like pizza, bread, cookies, biscuits, all these kind of things that are going to be using grain in some form or another that kind of comes to mind. So a couple of businesses that are local to the province here in Alberta uh, using spent grain specifically in their products. Uh, one of them is called the mash, which is a pizza parlor that's located, uh, I think in Airdrie and Calgary. Uh, they got a couple locations there. So that, yeah, they have their own brewery and they're using the spent grain. Um, yeah. To make their pizza dough. So that's one. And then there's another group, uh, the company's called Co-Rise, uh, and it's a food upcycling organization in Calgary that has products made by uh, a particular individual called Sophia Tang, um, where she makes a whole bunch of, I think, cookies and kind of sweet treats and stuff like that, um, but uses the spent grain from, uh, I, somehow gets provided to this Co-Rise organization. So I think it's a bunch of people that are part of it. And, Probably co-opting, yes, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, and Sophia is one of them uh, that's making these baked goods. And I think you can find her products uh, in Calgary, but also in Edmonton at, um, oh, what's that place called? Uh, Blush, Blush Lane. Oh, Blush or Organics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that place. So you can find her stuff there. Yeah, so those are a couple of local places. I mean, if you're in kind of either in Calgary or Edmonton um, or Airdrie, I guess, uh, where you can actually, you know, taste those products out. Yeah, um, and actually that'd be interesting because I can see where the, you know, between the the yeasty stuff and the grain, whatever, it'll probably make your, your dough more fluffy or whatever. But I wonder about the the taste because, of course, the first thing they have, oh, is it going to taste like alcohol? Well, of course, the alcohol's all removed because they've taken all that out of it. So mm-hmm. what what taste do you get left with? It'll be interesting to see. How yeah, I, yeah I, think I, I think I was reading that the piece of one, not so much, but I know for the baked goods that Sophia Tang was making that I think it was more leaning on spent grain that was used for, I think like stouts and stuff to make her baked goods. So yeah. So there might be, yeah, kind Probably, of a, yeah, like uh, a little bit of a flavor thing. If you're making, yeah, more stouts, more darker beers that have coffee and chocolate and those kind of things, uh, flavors kind of in them versus, um, kind of stuff that's maybe more light and meals just and laggers and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. it depends. I mean, if you're making breads versus dessert, you like, sure, there's probably going to be more just like the, the, the beers themselves, more earthy flavors, more citrusy flavor, more of this, more of that. And possibly some of that will come out with the, the spent grains as well. So that'll be interesting in the next few years to see um, the variety of, of goods, of food that comes out and what the different tastes are depending on what they use. So um, something else that also, it's it's funny it's on the the other end so after the spent grains and everything are used um to grow the mushrooms then you have what you call spent mushroom compost as well (laughs) and that's the part that actually for the last two years i've been using in my garden um and that part of it is really good as well for the the plants and to get the mycorrhizae established back in a uh an otherwise dead soil or a new soil Um, And I've been really liking it, uh, how it's been interacting with my plants, because I think my plants are a lot healthier, bigger, uh, tastier. Um, And again, it's something that's left over after not one, but now two processes, right? So you've got your spent grains, they go on to grow the mushrooms. And then now what you have left over from that goes into my garden. (laughs) So nothing is wasted. Yeah, you just, yeah, keep upcycling, recycling everything that comes and goes and actually that was my next thing was getting more into um uh the farm like farm stuff so on top of yeah using it to grow mushrooms if you have a big operation for wanting to grow mushrooms is that yeah you can use it as you know a compost or a soil amendment or as a fertilizer for either your conventional operations or if you are a more leaning uh, organic natural farmstead that like um that would kind of be be a pretty good um alternative or supplement to your operations is using the spent grain for uh, whatever you're going to use to grow stuff on your land. Yeah. Well, um, and what I'm hoping, like some of these native plants have very specific relations with mycorrhizae and the soil. So just, you know, digging one out of the wild or, or growing it from seed or whatever, it, it's very difficult to keep it going without having that whole uh, relationship in the soil. So what I'm hoping is as I get, I know it, it, there's a lot of different kinds of mycorrhizae out there, but I'm hoping that having a lot more of this um, spent mushroom compost, there there will be more fungal uh, mycorrhizae and stuff in the soils. And over time, maybe it might make it easier for some of these native plants and the right one might cross paths and 
they'll they'll do better that way because uh, I'm trying to do a lot with uh, preserving some of these more rare plants. And there's a reason why they're rare. <laughs> they're tricky to grow. So yeah, and then yeah, finally I kind of one other section for using spent grain as kind of energy and power. So in some operations they have can have access to things like biodigesters or kind of these new state-of-the-art uh, tech uh, things like uh, biomass steam boilers. So right. you can use the spent you can use the spent grain to power up a essentially a boiler, but that's having energy created to create that steam through um, biological means versus having your typical you know fuel going into your boiler uh, to heat up that steam or electrical depending uh but yeah so both technologies whether it be the biodigester or this uh, biomass steam boiler both technologies would use organic matter to fuel and produce energy for the various processes um and in the case of the biomass steam boiler uh, there's a particular company up in alaska of all places uh alaskan brewing company and i think that's just what they're called i think abc for short uh, solely uses spent grains to fuel their biomass steam boiler. And using this unit, they expect uh, it to eliminate the use of fuel oil in the grain drying process completely. So it's a very cyclical, you know, we're using the spent grain for this thing to dry <laughs> the grain to use yeah, for so, yeah, other so things in the operation. And it just, yeah, it kind of goes yeah, in a yeah. circle there. Once you get the initial thing fired up, then it becomes a circular, never-ending process, and the one does the other part, and on and on it goes. So that's cool, and it also makes sense because when you say Alaska, I'm going. I know it's probably stereotypical of me to think, but I'm thinking, okay, up in Alaska, it's cold a lot of the time. Probably not as many things to do. So what are you going to do? You're going to drink. So there'll be a lot of spent grains, and you're going <laughs> to need heat. So therefore, the biodigester or the biomass <laughs> steam boiler both make perfect sense. <laughs> so mm -hmm, yeah. so I, I could totally see why it would be happening up in Alaska. <laughs> oh, well, because I'd have to think too that, like, I mean, I'm just thinking of, you know, Northwest Territories, Yukon, all yeah. there, just like how expensive things are to get shipped out there. So if you can figure out a way to have technology that's uh, and use the material that you already already have available to you, even if it's considered a waste product, like that waste product can become <laughs> something, something that's just yeah. Yeah, used as an energy sure. source. So yeah, I thought those were kind of interesting things. So yeah, those are kind of the the long and short of it all for using spent grains and mostly mushroom stuff is what I was focused on. But then yeah, I started looking at all these other uses and how even a lot of these local places in Alberta are using spent grain for their operations, yeah. not just for growing mushrooms. No, I, I like that when you have a multifaceted um, relationship with something, like there's there's more than one use for it because then it automatically becomes more useful, right? So, no, And you're not just creating more waste that needs to be dealt with in some form or another. It's like, no, you're still reusing it for another function. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I think it's a win-win there for sure. Um, and yeah, I'll, uh, again, put it out there. Anybody, contact me with your spent grains or your grain hulls or anything like that because uh i'd sure like to try some out and uh keep you posted on how it works out in the next couple of years and on that note i guess does that mean we are uh finished with the we're spent on the spent grains is that what we're at? <laughs> <laughs> so, i think that might be a good title for the episode yes we're completely <laughs> spent on spent grains so okay well on that note um that finishes up this episode of Regenerative Landscapes. Again, be sure to 
like us, share us, comment, subscribe, any of those things. Just uh, engage with us, uh, whether it's on Facebook or through our, our websites. Um, you can find me at mmgardens.ca and Kevin and Dan at, I always screw this up because I want to do the whole thing, but it's just fescue.ca, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and again, you know, like I say, Facebook, uh, stay away from the uh, misinformation that's floating around out there. Come, come talk to us. We'll give you the real deal. <laughs> Until next oh, yeah, time. I have, to, I have to tell you something <laughs> off mic about that. Oh, yeah. So anyway, you guys stay safe uh, and have fun um, and keep regenerating your landscape. Bye-bye.